0: For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times.
2: Hello, listeners, and welcome back to yet again another episode of the Beautiful Game Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Budge, joined by my faithful two co conspirators, Dot and Dead. Gents, we all good?
0: Yeah, Budge, I'm good. What are you saying, Budge, man?
2: I'm good. Yeah, I'm, get, I'm getting used to this uh, this new setup, <laughs> man. I'm enjoying it. It's, it's, it's great. Now, um, as ever, we are joined by a very, very special guest who really needs no introduction. However, as is customary on our platform, We always like to give our guests their flowers. So here goes. Now, this gentleman is a former player uh, in the Premier League, uh, most notable for his time at Manchester City and Everton. Uh, He's also played for Newcastle, Portsmouth and Bournemouth along the way, as well as uh, PSG uh, back home in in France. He played 16 consecutive seasons uh, in the Premier League. Uh, with over 450 appearances, uh, making him the foreign outfield player with the highest number of appearances uh, in the top flight. Standing at six foot four, he was a marshal (laughs) in the rear guard of the (laughs) (laughs) team. Absolute stalwart in the heart of the (laughs) defense. And so without further ado, we welcome... Sylvan Distan to the platform. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you. Welcome, welcome, Sylvan.
1: Just would like to make a little correction. You know, I'm 42 now, so I start to shrink, so I'm not sure about the six foot foot. (laughs) four.
2: Fair play, fair play. Now, Sylvan, we really appreciate it. We know, you know, you've you've got, uh, you know, a lot that you're doing and and you're you're keeping busy with at the moment. So we appreciate you uh, taking out the time to have a, a chat with us um we're going to kick things right off and and the question i guess i wanted to ask you is uh growing up you know every football fan will have their boyhood uh, club and have their yeah. you know boyhood dream and so if we start off with you know your time at psg for you was that like the the fulfillment of a boyhood dream did you did you always aspire when you you know you started playing football did you always aspire to to play for, for, for PSG was that like the the thing that you and, and all of your friends uh, hoped and aspired for back back home in
1: France uh, PSG was definitely I grew up on the outskirts of Paris and PSG was definitely uh, my my childhood club and the club that is the closest to my heart but to be honest with you as a kid I wanted to be an NBA player. Hmm. And uh, I was I was I wasn't a football fan. I was a massive NBA fan. I'm talking about the Magic Johnson, Michael yeah, Jordan, yeah, yeah. and Scotty Pippen, and, and those type of those time of uh, of NBA. Um, I play a lot of football and basketball with my mate in the street because that that easy things to play. Um, and I did love football. I, I remember having a, the only poss- possible poster of football I had in my in my bedroom wall was the Holland team just because of mm. the kids with the red glit and my card and everything. Mm. But I wasn't, I wasn't aiming to be a footballer. I was just doing sports because I love sports. I never thought I'd be an NBA player, but I, if I had a dream at the time and if that dream had to come through, it would have been to be an NBA player. Football just came along the way and uh, I've been at the right place at the right time. And once I realized the opportunity that I had, I did everything to keep it. But if I start to say, like, that was my dream as a kid and I worked really hard as a kid, that will be a lie. That's not what happened to me.
3: Okay, so just, you know, reflecting on your time at um, PSG, you played with some household names. Yeah. Mikel Arteta was there. Pochettino was there. Yeah. We see them as managers now. So at that moment in time, could you tell that these will be two prominent managers in the world right now?
1: No, nah, I think I think it's impossible, you know, when uh, when you're a footballer to... Or rare, maybe not impossible, but really rare as a footballer to, to see one of your teammates as a future manager. Because it's, it's two completely different worlds. Uh, I think everybody feels like it's the, it's the logic when you retire and you stop football to be a manager. But there's no logic at all in it. It's mm. two completely different worlds. As a footballer, you just do what you've been told and you listen to order and you play when you have to play. And not, as a manager, you have to take some big decision. Tactical decision, technical decision, team selections, staff it is a completely different world. So, um,
3: so were they leaders in like the dressing room? Did you see them taking command of situations or you know, asserting yeah. their personality?
1: Yeah, Pochettino was definitely a leader. You know, he's a he's a guy. I was I was young. I was 21. That was my first my second year of professional football. When um, when I played with him, the first year of PhD wasn't there. The second year, I arrived, and uh, I remember. Looking at him like as a kid and thinking like, "Wow, that that's a man, that's a real man." He was, he's <laughs> someone that you uh, you had to respect. He wasn't aggressive, nothing. It was just like his charisma, you know. He's a uh, real, real leader, natural leader. Not trying to force it, not trying to impress people. But from the first the first training session he arrived, that's someone as a kid, that's someone I look up to. Also,
3: during your time at PSG, Ronaldinho was there. Yeah. You know, this is a player that. You know, it's turned out to be one of the greatest, in my opinion. As a kid growing up, seeing him dominate football for a mm. few years. Mm-hmm. So, how was it being in and around him?
1: Unreal, unreal. Uh, I, football went went. I turned professional quickly. I had two or three years of like struggling a little bit, uh, and then I had two amazing opportunity. One with Gagnon and one to come back with PSG because I was at the academy of PSG. Got released play non-league football for two years and play one here in um, like championship level but in France and then PSG asked me to come back again as a professional so so that went really fast I went from non-league football to Champions League and playing wow. along alongside wow. a guy like uh, like Ronaldinho or Ococha, which uh, I've never been the most gifted technically player and playing against a guy like that he was just like <sighs> every day at training he was like doing some tricks and <laughs> I could not believe it. You play <laughs> with Ronaldinho. He's playing with every part of his body. It's just, it's just unreal. You just, you just realize that you can work as hard as you want when you're that technically gifted. It's something that is given to you, and it's, yeah. it doesn't have yeah. to work. Am I going to tell you that Ronaldinho is a hard worker? He's not. He comes, have fun, goes home. But every weekend, <laughs> like breaking ankles and breaking... <laughs> it's unreal. It's, it's honestly unreal. It's possibly, to me, the, not the most naturally gifted players I've, I've played along.
0: Wow. Do you feel that, you know, I just want to talk about you a bit. Do you feel that because you were left-footed, yeah. and you had the raw attributes. You had the pace. You had the, you know, the power. You had the tackling ability. Mm. Do you feel that you always had a chance to be a centre back because you know left centre backs are always coveted. Those left footers.
1: Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, do I feel like I always had a chance? No, because um, I possibly didn't have all the attributes that you've been looking for a centre back. So I will fit only in certain teams. But, um, but what is for sure is I, I love to play. I really love to play. And if any manager of any club comes and says to me, listen, you come, the best will play. I will go with no hesitation because I know that it's only up to me to do the work after that and, and convince the manager that I deserve it. So um, I will back myself because I know I will work hard and, and get what I deserve. Um, but every manager has have a have different um, vision of football. So you know you will. There's a certain manager that you will never suit. You will mm. never do the right thing for them, no matter how how hard you try. So you have to think about it as well.
2: You know what? Just just following on from uh, Dot's question there, Sylvan. Mm-hmm. Um, he was obviously speaking about uh, you know being uh, a left footer and, and playing in in, in the, the center of the defense. You 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 um, joined Newcastle initially on on loan. Yeah. Um, and then you signed uh, permanently for uh, Manchester City, mm-hmm. and. My understanding is part of the reason why you decided to sign for City was because you wanted to play uh, left-centre-back as opposed to playing left-back.
1: No, not at all. It's uh, it's very simple. I spoke about it recently. I think I never really spoke about certain choices I've done in my career because I've always been quite, Mm -hmm. um, I won't say private, but I just didn't feel the need to have to explain Mm -hmm. anything. And it's only since I stopped football that you feel like you're free and you don't have to be careful what you say, how you say You don't you just feel free. Yeah. You don't belong to anyone anymore. So so I mm-hmm. spoke about it not that long ago. It, it's, it's very simple. Um, uh, I signed for Newcastle on loan. It was, a I think I signed in September. And they had um, the exclusivity to buy me until, I think it was something like March or something like that. I can't, I can't remember. And everything went well. Maybe the first months, I think I didn't play. Then I had an opportunity to play. And then I never left the squad. Played every game. Everything went well. was really happy. Um, even if, to be honest, the first month was was hell for me. I wasn't speaking English. No, uh, mm. North, in Newcastle, yeah. I could not understand the accent. I have to <laughs> say. It, was, it was tough. It was tough. But yeah. then I started to play, I started to learn English, everything went well. Yeah. And then March arrived and, uh, and they didn't take the, the exclusivity to sign me. So that opened the doors to mm-hmm. the club. Um, and from March to, I think, end of the season in May, we were talking about... Uh, about negotiating about me staying. I made it clear that I wanted to stay. My goal was not to go away, but I had to look at other opportunities
2: mm-hmm.
1: and came, came to the last game of the season. I said to them, listen, there's still nothing. I think they made only one offer, which I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, and, and I said to them, I said, I'm, I'm not looking to be the, the best players in the club because I've never played for that. But I want a minimum of respect. You can not ask me to play to sign professional for you and be played less than some players at the academy.
2: Mm-hmm. When I'm playing every
1: game, so yeah. there's a right balance, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the second offer never came. So came to the last uh, the last game of the season. I said uh, the manager I keep coming. That was Bobby Robson at the time. Same someone that I've got amazing respect for. Said to me, don't worry, you're gonna sign. I said, I'm not worried. I just let you know, after the last game of the season, I'll sign somewhere. I really hope from the bottom of my heart it's gonna be Newcastle. If it's not, it'll be somewhere else. And we played the last game of the season, went back home, had no news from the club. The next day, I just went and signed for for City. So in my mind, I thought, okay, well, it's Newcastle, first choice, for sure, 100%. If the opportunity doesn't come, my second op- op- uh, option for me was uh, was Manchester City at the time. And I just took to my word. The, the last game of the season came, I had no news from the club, and I went and signed for, for City. Um, that was a big shot for Newcastle because that's, we qualified from Champions League. We had a great season, so I guess they felt like he's never going to sign for anyone else. And uh, but I'm not like that. I've got I've got words. I've got principle, and mm-hmm. uh, and that's all I did. So they tried to um, they tried to block the contract and cancel the contract. And we but nothing was possible. They asked me to come back, and, and they said this. And if you if you stop your contract at uh, at City, you come back, we give you whatever you want. City. So it's not about money. I told you that from day one. It's not about money. it's, it's about principle. It's about respect. I signed for City now. I could not stop my contract for City and come back to Newcastle and look at people in the eyes. So my choice is done. You had an exclusivity until March. You could see me play and train every day until March. You decided not to take it. You had another two, three months playing me around. So that's that's, that's done. And um, do I regret it? It's difficult considering I played in every game, every every club I've, I've been. I won't club trophies I want personal trophies I've got personal record I can't say I regret it Would have loved things to be different and 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 signed for Newcastle at the time yes not because I didn't enjoy my time at City or the club just because at the time I had a fantastic time over there I learned my football with guys like Alan Shearer, Gary Speed, Bobby Robson I loved it I had no complaint I didn't want to leave just that very young I knew I knew what I wanted and uh, respect was part of it, and I didn't feel that, and and I left.
3: Yes, yeah, so Sylvan, a- talking about what was happening on the on the football pitch. Yeah. You know, you you were with your French counterparts, Olivier Bernard, yeah. Laurent, You know, Robert. Yeah. You know, you went to Highbury and you beat them three one. So if you could explain how that was, because at the time Arsenal were one of these dominating forces. They had Henri. Vieira yeah. Campbell yeah, so if you could explain the camp and the camaraderie in the team
1: to be, to be fair with you I was um, I was just following for me it was still really fresh it was only my second year professional um, I would never expect to be alongside like as I say guy like uh, Alan Shearer or something like that I was possibly collecting his card two years before that and I ended up like training next to him and playing with him every day I was really star the first few months and um, Newcastle at the time was a team that had um, the player who has been there for a long time and you just come in the dressing room and you have to fit in. It was strong character, you have to fit in. If you don't, you'll be left out. So I was just following and, and by following, I was just opening my eyes and learning and then, and every game I was playing against amazing striker like guys like Thierry Henry for me is French, but I never played against guy like that. So I was just like, Come on, mate, just do your best. Come on, it's your moment to prove it. <laughs> so I, I never really I never really thought about it at the time. My goal was just to like learn, um, make sure I just keep the plays that I just started to to get at uh, at Newcastle, and and play every game. And it's only um, and to be honest, I've been like that most of my of my career. I never really think about like two years two years after like oh we play that game and we won this and I just want to play the game. So I just celebrate at the end of the game. But uh, this year, what I remember with uh, with with Newcastle is that. We, we felt like really strong and we felt like everything was possible. I think we we, we, we were not far from, from uh, uh, winning the league from a few points. Yeah, you um, were
3: top when you yeah, yeah. played against Arsenal.
1: Yeah, yeah, we played we played big part of the season, uh, a top. And you've got that feeling that if you do the right things, unlike big mistake, you can beat anyone on the day. Not that that's it, we're going to win the league for sure, but you just feel confident. And at the time... And I think that was possibly our best trends. Playing Arsenal didn't feel like this is the big game of the season. You just take it as this is another game. Let's do our stuff and, and things will be right. We've got enough to cope with them. We've got enough to challenge them as well. And that, that's, that's a great feeling when you don't feel like you're the outsider and you have to be 110% to be able to get something out of a game. That's, that's a really good position mentally.
0: Sylvain obviously you know after your spell at Newcastle you joined Man City as you mentioned earlier but I just want to quickly go back for a second did you always have an interest in English football and did you think your game married up to what we see in England
1: yeah I'm I'm going to give you a little secret my fantasy game the the team I mean the team that I really dreamed about was Crystal Palace when I was playing Mm -hmm. in France just for the name Crystal Palace. Being French, <laughs> it was just like, wow, I didn't know any players, I didn't know <laughs> about the club, I just was like, Crystal Palace, what a name. But, um, no, I, I'm, once I started playing in France, I thought, coming to England was a goal, but I thought, I, wanna, I don't want to rush it. Uh, after my first season professional, I could have um, had some interest from a couple of clubs in the Premier League, but I felt like I was, I was too young. I only played one year professional, I wanted to establish myself and play possibly two, three seasons maybe in France and, uh, and then get enough experience and then come to England. That was my, uh, that was my game plan, really. But, mm-hmm. uh, but I went way faster than, uh, than expected.
0: Silvan, just another question from me. Um, I remember you scoring you know, a sensational goal mm-hmm. in, while you at Man City and you actually tweeted the other day, went through, what went through my head? The solo run against Aston Villa. What actually went through your head? Because that was a man that was
1: possessed. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. You know, you see the opportunity and you, and, and you go for it. I remember at City, I used to uh, to do some best forwards like that. But um, this one, you just start and you just see opportunity and you carry on and you, it just went all the way. And uh, Yeah, that, that, that was a great goal. I really... Uh, Really, really enjoyed it. Um, I remember Bernardo Caradi after the goal, who said to me, like, if you didn't score that, because he was right next to me, but to be honest, I saw nothing. I was running like a, <laughs> yeah. I saw nothing and no one. Like, no. And he said, if you, if you had missed that, I think I would have killed you. I, said, you, well, yeah, like, I was there right next to you, goal wide open. That's my, I, I didn't see you, so... What went through my head, I don't know. You've got moments Sometime in football. Every footballer will tell, will tell you that. No the level, if you play five-a-side, if you play in the street, you've got a day where you don't know how everything works, if that's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. And that was one of those moments for me.
3: Yeah, so Silva, you joined um, City before, obviously, yeah. the Abu Dhabi owners came in. and yeah. So how do you reflect on your time? Because when you look at the positions that you finished each mm-hmm. season – it was mid-table, just under yeah. mid-table, and how would you assess your time?
1: Well, it's it's a bit difficult because if you think City, you think about City now winning the league. Yeah. But what you have to remember at the time with City, they just got promoted,
2: <laughs> just
1: a sign for them. They just got promoted, so the goal was not to win the league when I arrived. The mm-hmm. goal was to to keep the, the the club in the Premier League, and uh, and that's what we did. So um so. It's weird to say like yeah that was we had a great time because people feel like yeah but we didn't play a fight against relegation we possibly had one season I think where we were in the in the bottom three or not far from the bottom three for a few games but we were a mid-table club and and at the time that was the goal and 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 I would love to believe that that was the foundation for for what City is now uh, make sure that the club remain in the Premier League and. Uh, And yeah, as I said, that's that's what we did. So you feel like mission accomplished really, you know, because it was a completely different club than the city today. Completely different. Mm
2: -hmm. You know what, Sylvan? So, you know, you you obviously mentioned then the the club's goal um, as a whole was, of course, to stay in the Premier League and stay competitive and whatnot. But on a personal level, you joined, and at the time, you were the uh, club record signing um, uh, centre back. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, how times have changed, right?
3: (laughs) Um,
2: But, you know, personally, did you feel an extra amount of pressure for you to perform as an individual because you had that title uh, above your head?
1: Nah, not at all, because for me, I was still young. Uh, My feeling was. I'm, I'm still learning. That was my uh, my third year professional at top level, and in uh, in yeah, in, in my mind I was I was still learning. I was I was more feeling like I'm still that kid who was, four or three years ago was still playing non-league football. So um, mm. so I, I didn't feel any pressure. Honestly, I didn't feel no pressure at all. I just said, come, learn, do your best, and uh, and and keep progressing. That was that was my goal. I, and 5 million at the time, you know, yes, it's a lot of money. And in football, it was the club record, but the club record for, for City, you still had defenders who were like mm-hmm. 30 or 30 odd million or 25 million. Or, yeah. So you don't feel like you're one of the best and you have to perform. You just feel like, yeah, for the club, they invest a lot of money in you. So you're going to have to repay them. But not a not pressure more than that. Just It was more motivation for me than anything else.
3: So, Silver, and you spent time at City, then obviously the move to and Portsmouth came around, yeah. you know, moving with Harry Redknapp, and you had a very, very good spell there, winning the FA Cup. Mm-hmm. So if you were to assess your time at Portsmouth, like, what were the high points, what were the low points?
1: Uh, that was, I spent two seasons up there, and we went from, like, really high to really low in the space of two seasons. So that, that was a really... That was really strange, really strange time. Um, obviously, the high will be the FA Cup because um, winning the FA Cup with, with Portsmouth, you know, as well as me in England, there's, on average, maybe the same two, three clubs who win the FA Cup mm-hmm. season after season. So winning it with a club like Portsmouth was, was something special. And uh, that was my second trophy in football, and that, that was an amazing time. But then the season after, the manager left, I, I remember – I remember just getting ready for the game. We had absolutely no idea, no idea in the dressing room what was going on. And it was the morning of the game. I wake up and my partner just said to me, like, oh, you, you managed to sign for Tottenham. <laughs> well, what are you talking about? We play in like five hours. You we were there yesterday. Well, yeah, yeah, he looks kind Sky Sports. And I turned the news on and I just could not believe it. It's like, oh, what's going on? I, was, I wasn't expecting it at all. No one was. So that was that was a really really strange game. You come to the game, the manager is not there. No one heard about it. He didn't call anyone. It was really strange. And from from there on, everything went down. All the players started to leave like one by one. Uh, they started to sell players. It, it, it was a tough time. We still had a competitive team, uh, but at the end of the at the end of the, the second season, obviously, the team was not the same. We went through a couple of managers. Um, they all struggle a little bit. And, uh, and I was in negotiation to, um, to actually extend my contract. I think I was 30, simply 30 or 31 at the time. I forgot. And, uh, I thought, well, I'll sign another two, three years and then I'll be happy. I finished my career here. And then I had uh, a call from the, 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 chairman who just said to me, listen, we've got an offer from another club. And, um, financially we're in a position where we need that. Uh, I signed for them for free. So that was a great business for them. And, um, and I understood that, so I just I just um I just listened to the opportunity other opportunity and left. But it was a it was yeah, it was a really strange time to go. It was a roller coaster, you know. Um and we always feel like the club then went to administration and everything and I still had friends over there. And as a footballer, whatever happened to the club, you'll find another club. But you have to remember there's a lot of people who lost their their jobs and 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 the life, the life. I mean, not physically, but livelihoods. Lost. Yeah, yeah, livelihood. You know, it's it's. It was tough to see that. It was really, really, really tough for me. Uh, it was it was a strange time, and you still have to carry on and move on and and, and carry on with your career. But um, but I kept in touch with a lot of people, and, and it was it was not a nice time, I have to say.
3: Yeah, just to you know round up your know, time at Portsmouth. Um, when we think of the FA Cup now is, you know, getting diminished in terms of its value as a trophy, as a Frenchman, you know, coming from France, how did you view the FA Cup and how do you view it now?
1: It's a trophy. I think it's it's diminished from possibly the team that compete in Champions League every season. But if you ask any club outside of the top four, top five, they will be really happy to win an FA Cup. Um, so, I don't think it's that diminished, you know, is it's always the same. You tend to talk to the same, about the same club and about the same type of players and the same managers. And those type of players and managers play for national team and they think about the World Cup. They think about the Champions League. That's their goal. It's not the FA Cup. But if you take any club below that, who you know most of their players are not international. If they are, small, they play most of the time for like lesser country or smaller country in terms of football who have no chance to possibly even qualify for the World Cup. They don't have a chance to win the Champions League. They don't have a, a chance to even qualify for the Champions League. So for them, the FA Cup is the goal. Is the goal. So um, I don't think it's diminished. but possibly a little bit by the media, and that makes everybody feel like oh, it's the FA Cup. Just put it to the side. But I, I can tell you, like any club outside outside of the top four, top five, they play it 100% because they want mm. they want to win it. They have they want to have a chance to win it.
0: Sylvan in your, you know, you said when you entered your 30s and you then joined Everton. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: and to me, it seemed like you aged like a fine wine. For me, <laughs> I, I
3: think... French fine wine.
0: <laughs> I, <laughs> I think when you, you know, at Everton, you started playing the best football of your career and I think you were an absolute rock at the back. Um Do you feel that's because you didn't have, you know, much experience? You came into the game a bit late in terms of first-team football. So in terms of tactically and mentally, as you got older, you started to understand the game a bit better. Because for me, your positioning was outstanding.
1: I I, I totally agree with you. Maybe not about being outstanding, but about uh, maturity. Um, You have to remember, I started professional. I arrived in England. I was 21, I think. So if you think about most English players at 21, that's possibly their second, if not third season in the Premier League. So I started late, even professional. I started at at 20, 19. So that that was quite late. Um, So yeah, I think it's a mix of maturity. Um, Football maturity, I would say, to understand the game better. Um, Playing with different clubs, different managers, uh, as well as the fact that when I signed for Everton, I had a completely different type of manager. David Moyes is a hard-working manager. The players work really hard. And um, you feel like, well, I'm 32 or something. And I can't remember exactly how old, how old I was, but I feel like I was 25, but I was not. <laughs> um, most of the club I've been, there's a like group of players. It's like You've got like the sprinters, you've got the long-distance runner, or you've got the, like the senior pros. And you run a bit less than the others. I arrived at Everton. You nineteen. You sixteen. You fifty-five. Everybody run the same speed, the same distance, and he put a different yeah. mindset in in my head. You know, um, so I think mentally I was stronger. Physically, I started to um, to be introduced. Um, to like the gym, but like seriously gym, not like beach workout for the summer. <laughs> <or New> <laughs> 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 like the startup, thanks to, um, to the, the strength and conditioning coach at Portsmouth, So I started to work on my, on my physical aspect as well. So I started to feel different and, and, and better. And plus, the, as I say, plus the maturity of football, yeah, and the atmosphere at Everton, everything was there for me to, um, to actually pick when I was not supposed to pick. So I, I was as well surprised,
3: yeah. Yeah, I mean, Everton, going to Goodison Park during those times, you knew you were going to get a game. I remember you and Jagielka at the back, Leighton Baines, you know, Tony Hibbert at the time, and obviously later on, Seamus Coleman. Um, So how would you assess David Moyes as a manager? Because since he's left Everton, he had the spell at Manchester United. He didn't go as planned. In my opinion, he should have got more time. And now we see him at West Ham. So... How would you assess him as a manager?
1: He's someone I've got amazing respect for. Um, not just for the person, but for what he's done uh, with a club like Everton. Uh, we, were, we were fighting for to qualify for breaking to the top four at the time. Now it's, uh, now it's more like a, a six or seven teams who can, who can break into that Champions League. But at the time, it was only four teams that you... You had to, you had to beat really, and uh, and we were knocking at the door every season, qualifying for Europa League, and you were every time borderline. the line. And with the team we had, no disrespect, because we had amazing players, but compare with the, the the four, the top four above us, we, we were not there. But we were able to compete, and and that's thanks to him. He established a, a mentality, a work ethic as well in the team. Uh, you had an amazing team spirit, and that that's coming, that's coming from him. So uh, I've got I've got a lot of respect for him. I think taking the United job—it was a shame for us. I was sad to see him leave, but it's an amazing opportunity that, as a manager, mm. you have to take. You have to take. But being just after a guy uh, like uh, uh, Ferguson, it's—it's it's, mm. it's a really, really tough that task. We did, up mm. to now, up to now, we still see that it's a very difficult task. Mm. And you have to remember that when uh, when Alex Ferguson left, he possibly like took everything he could take from the players, and he was living at a time where you knew even if he stayed that the club uh, will start to like dip a little bit. You had the emergence of City coming and everything, so it, it was a really tough task. I feel like he should have had more time, but when you at a club like United, who have time? Nobody. Uh, possibly the one who have the most time is the one in place now. Uh, whatever the reason, possibly because they feel like we try to change and it doesn't work or possibly because he's the next player, whatever the reason, but he's got a bit more time than everyone. And I hope he'll, he'll, uh, he'll do something with it, but um, amazing respect. And I uh, say, I think he, because of his time at United and then he went to Sunderland as well. And possibly people feel like in terms of media that uh, mm-hmm. he lost it a bit. But I can tell you, he's a guy with an immense drive, uh, very basic in his football yeah he's not going to tactically uh, make something like uh, uh, crazy and but he's, he make every team you've got strong and difficult to beat and still now to the day if we speak with anyone about our time at everton they will all say to you this is the place we didn't want to go and play because we knew we'll have a battle top of the league bottom of the league any team nobody enjoyed it and that's that's the best compliment i think you can you can give him 100%
3: yeah, across the road, you know, at Stanley Park, you know, we have Liverpool. And you know, from the outside looking in,
1: when you, you say we have Liverpool, you sound like a Liverpool fan. Oh, he is. Silva, you okay. sussed me you out. Caught
0: him, you've caught him red-handed. You caught Silver. me
1: red-handed. Next question, please. Next
0: question. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the next question is: What's your thoughts on Virgil van Dijk?
3: <laughs> Silver,
0: So across
3: the road at Stanley Park, we have Liverpool. And yeah. you know, from the outside looking in there's kind of like maybe an inferiority complex towards Liverpool from Everton. So when you were inside the camp, how was the conversations around Liverpool? Was it like, we need to get yeah. to that level? Or, or what did they say?
1: To get to that level would have been difficult because we knew financially they, they could buy a better player than us. They could, uh, they could do a lot of things more than us. But what we knew is, as well is that in terms of fighting spirits, This is not about money. This is about mentality. So our goal was not to be better than them. Our goal, to be honest, was to beat them on the day. That's it. It's the same when I was playing for for City, and at the time, and you play United. United was winning the, the the season, the league season after season. So you don't want to be better than them and win the league. You just want to beat them because that's the rivalry. That's the that's the derby. That's what matters for the fans, for the clubs, for the players. And it was the same at, um, at, uh, at Everton. You know, you you feel like this is the game when the season, before the season starts, and you've got the schedule of the season. The first game, the first two games you look at are the Liverpool games. I'm not going to lie to you, you want to see where they are. <laughs> and and uh, the, the few games you've got before, the few games you've got after, that's the, that's the two games you, you mm-hmm. look at. Feeling of inferiority, honestly, not. We knew. Let's be honest. We knew at the time, in terms of results, they were better than us. Is is no is no point to lie. They qualified for Champions League. They fight to win the Champions League, to win the league. We were not there, but that doesn't make us feeling inferior. failure. We knew as well that we had something strong in the dressing room that that will maybe compensate for for the lack of financial power that we had.
0: So you see, you know, the modern game and you see, you know, defenders like Virgil van Dijk, because we're speaking yeah. about Liverpool. What are your thoughts on Virgil van Dijk? How good do you think he is?
1: Amazing. He's an amazing player. Um, I, love to, I love to watch him. The only problem I've got now a day about centre-back is we talk a bit more about their distribution, that their defensive attributes. And, uh, and it's a football change. It's really, it's really really different. You don't have a Alan Shearer anymore. You don't have a, those type of players. So it's a different challenge as a centre-back. It's a lot more tactical, uh, possibly a lot more technical as well than, than it was at my time. But uh, but you have to give the guy tribute. He's, he's amazing in the modern football. He's amazing at what he's doing. He's, he's, if it's not the best, he's one of the best. So you have to give him, uh, to give him credits. But at the same time, football is different. So you have, you face a di- completely different challenge. And um, I'm, I'm really old school in terms of everything, mentality in terms of everything. I'm really old school and I, I won't judge uh, a defender for his, his how many balls he, he lost. Or, I mean, I'll judge a defender on his defensive attributes. And that's what mm-hmm. I, love. I love. I love to defend. And um, And I don't think you have as much to do defensively than offensively especially when you play with a team so dominant as, uh, as, as Liverpool at the moment, is more about possession. It's, it's, so he might have few defensive stuff to do through the game, but, mm. but not as much. So you could see more of, that, of his defensive quality at Southampton than you can at, uh, at Liverpool. So I do, I do appreciate that as well, that for me, I could judge him more as a defender when he was yeah. playing for, for a club like Southampton. Yeah. But I, again, I, only have, I can only praise him. What he's doing is, is, is amazing. This season, yeah. maybe not have been as consistent as last season, but that's because last season he was just at like an amazing hard, level. Hard, to yeah. keep, keep this level is really it's really difficult. And even if he's not have been as consistent, it's still one of the best. So so don't yeah. feel because he's not as consistent or you've done a couple of mistakes that means that it is no, he's still like at an amazing level.
2: Hundred mm. percent. You know what, uh, Silva? And that question is a, the perfect segue into my question because, like uh, Dej uh, mentioned earlier. Uh, Whilst you were at Everton, you you built a formidable partnership with Phil Jagielka. Mm -hmm. And around that time, we also saw the emergence of John Stones coming through the academy, who is, you know, many would regard uh, a modern-day centre-back in that, you know, he's he's often lauded for his um, comfortability on the ball and his distribution and whatnot. So, whilst he was coming through the academy whilst you were there at Everton, could you see the ingredients of a top player? Was was there a lot of talk and ramblings uh, in the club? Um, about him um, and, and has he reached a level that you would have anticipated he's, he's reached now at City
1: I'm, I'm going to be honest with you and I, and I love John Stones he'll, 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 he'll be the one to tell you every time if I had an injury the first, first few seasons he was there if I had an injury he was starting to play or, or if he was someone was suspended he'll, he'll play he was not playing every game and I, I always push during players and I remember saying to him like now you play you have your opportunity no matter what no matter if it's injury whatever you have it your goal, I was 30, I think, five at the time. I said, I should not be playing. Your goal is to keep that place. So that's, mm-hmm. that's it. You want to keep me out of the team. Don't do nothing else. Uh, so he knows I've got a lot of respect for him. Um, I'm not sure he's got that defensive grit. Uh, mm. He's an amazing player with the ball. He's really confident with the ball. But again, that's the modern, possibly the modern centre-back.
2: Mm.
1: So as a modern centre-back, yes, he's amazing. If uh, did he fulfil his potential? No, I think he still have a lot to learn, and I think he have to be um, to be a lot more consistent. Um, can he fit in every single team? I don't think so either. Is perfect for Guardiola. Uh, will it be perfect for a team who have to be stronger defensively or a team who have less possession and have to be uh, to be strong defensively first and then think about position? I'm not sure he's there yet. Um, does he have all the attributes yet? Yeah. Definitely, definitely have all the attributes. But um, I don't know. I feel like something didn't, didn't click yet for him. That's, that's really my feeling. He's, he, he can be much, much better than what he is now. He's a good player. But um, when I see at the moment, like, at, well, not at the moment, but when the season was still going, that they will play a, um, a midfield at City. They play a midfield as a centre-back when they have two or three. Fernandinho, yeah. Yeah, that's, for me, as a centre-back, that would hurt me. Like greatly, like hold on, that's my job. And you take mm-hmm. you take a midfield to play in my position, that that will hurt me. So that's the type of things that make me feel like maybe I don't know if he doesn't have the confidence of the manager or if the, uh, if something else. I'm not sure, but it it, it needs it's something needs to click with him.
3: Yes, yeah, so Silver, how was he? Yeah,
1: sorry, I need, to, I need to charge my um, my laptop. is going out of battery. Give me nah, one second.
3: No problem. No okay. worries. <laughs> There you go. There you go. I'm back Yeah so Silvan How was he mentally Because you mentioned that He's a Guardiola player But yeah. recently Guardiola's Frozen him out of the team He's been in and out So when you were playing with him Mentally what type of player was he Was he resilient Could he accept the criticism From the coaches Or if you criticise him would he, you know, throw his toys out of the pram? Or go into his show. It
1: was, was, was fine. He wasn't throwing his toy out of the pram. It wasn't like, um, he was fine. But he had very similar, we had very similar managers. We, um, as we have at, at City now, which is a manager who likes to play from the back, no matter what. Martinez. Kind of, yeah. No, uh, yeah, Martinez, yeah. So that means if you make a mistake, uh, a costly mistake, because he's been too confident or because he's trying to force the play from the back, yeah, the manager would say to him, like, never mind, you did the right stuff, carry on. So now it's for you to feel like, okay, is it the right thing to do or not? Because if you make a mistake and your manager says, fine, don't throw it, And then the next game you make, or maybe two, three games after, you make this similar type of mistake and your manager just said like, no, this is what I want to do. You carry on, I don't care. You get into a pattern where mentally you feel like, well, I can make a mistake, it's okay. That's, mm-hmm. that's what my manager mm-hmm. wants. So some will feel like, yeah, that's brave. And some will feel like, I don't know if it's brave or if it's stupidity. Yeah. Now uh, when you are at, at a place like City, yeah, it's okay because they've got so much quality. But at the time at Everton, uh that will cost us. That will cost us. So it's 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 really it's difficult. It's difficult. I know he reacted really well every time, but I'm I'm a bit scared that because of the last two managers he had, that they put him in that pattern of like it's okay to make a mistake, don't worry. Yes, it's okay because football is made of mistake. The best player in the world makes mistakes and if it was no mistake, there'd be no goals. But is a difference <laughs> between like, you made a mistake, you have to make up for it or you made a mistake, make sure it doesn't happen again and learn and or you made a mistake and it's okay. That's what I want you to do anyway. Just, just keep making those mistakes. That's, that's a bit strange. So again, I think um, for the with the, the team that they have got now and the manager that they have got now, Yes, I think he's the perfect player. Will Guardiola, and again, no disrespect for Guardiola, I think he's his top manager. Um, but will Guardiola make him a better defender? I, I can't see it. I can't see it. It'll make him a better yeah, a better player coming out from, from the back with the ball and everything, a better defender. I, I, I don't see it happening.
0: Silva, obviously after your spell at Everton, you went to Bournemouth. And yeah. um, what I want to ask you is, you know you are getting towards the end of your career. Did you ever consider going into coaching or management? because you always struck me, especially towards the latter end of your career, as that leader at the back. Mm. So why haven't you gone into management or coaching?
1: Because it's a really, really difficult road. Um, if you look at the few, the players in the last maybe four or five years who stopped football and went into managers. Possibly ninety-five percent are English. Uh, I'm not. Uh, I don't want to get into this debate, but I'm just stating a fact. They are not. They are not black. Um, and I was thinking, like, I would love to. There's a piece of me, a part of me, will love to be a manager and just to not to be a manager, just to give back what football gave me. Yeah. And uh, again, keeping that old school mentality and 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 and. And keeping some values and and putting this value back into the players, I, I feel like that was my um my role as a player towards the end of my career um, and, I, and I would love to carry that on as a, as a manager or, or staff but it's it's really difficult I, I mean if you look at the players who now have opportunities, they are like top English players i'm not top english player so i'm I'm thinking like why am i going to start a road you have to study for like two three years and why am i going to start to 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 go through a road that i know is blocked mm-hmm. and and possibly it's a mistake because you have to force doors and to force the doors you have to knock at the door and i didn't even try to knock at the door so yes it might be a mistake but at the same time i'm in a position where i, I want to enjoy my life i've i, I love my freedom and i and I can't see myself being a manager in a non-league football because that's where you have to start or that's what they make you believe it. But at the other end, you've got players that have zero experience and go straight to top clubs. It so, doesn't make sense to me. So I'm like, you know what, just just, just forget about it. But if an opportunity comes, why,
0: why not? So I think obviously you're a powerful figure and I think what do you think needs to happen for these barriers to be broken down because I think a lot of people respect what you're saying at the moment
1: I, I don't know I don't know, I heard about like um, what they try to do to have like um, the rudy rule ethnic minorities and put some but I feel like you, you try and force something and and. From my from my side, I always took it a bit as a pity, like oh yeah, we're gonna take one of them. Just in I, I, I just don't feel like it's right, and as you see, it doesn't change anything to, to, to the football right now. That's that's just the way it is. What to do to change it? I don't know. Change the mentalities, maybe, or possibly like players like me to stop feeling like the road is blocked and just try and and force the doors. I think that's that will be the best solution. So that's why I said possibly what I've done is is, is a mistake, and I, and I admit it. I possibly um, felt like I was beaten before even starting. But, um, but that's, that's my feeling.
3: Yeah, Silva, and I wanted to go back to your you know, spell at um, Everton as well under Roberto Martinez. Yeah. On one hand, you had a manager at the start of the spell under David Moyes who was very tight at the bank and assured defensively. Then De Martinez came in and it's a different philosophy. And yeah. in his first season, you finished fifth. Obviously, throughout this conversation, you said you prefer the old mindset, you know, compared to the new mindset. So, what do you think was Martinez's failings at Everton? Because in his second season, you know, he finished eleventh. So, what was that dip? Uh, what happened?
1: I think from the from his, his first season, what you have to remember is like a lot of players at Everton been there for like six, seven, eight, ten years, and under under uh, David Moyes and. We knew with David Moyes, you know what you do. Everything is drilled. Everything is square. You know exactly what you do. And you, I, I remember saying a few, few times towards the end of, um, of uh, the last season of, of David Moyes that we could have played a game without him. Not that we don't need him, but just mm. that everything is clear. I remember some session on the Friday uh, where it's raining and you do like set pieces for like half an hour, 45 minutes. And you just like, you want everything, to, everybody knows what you have to do. There's no, there's no little dark mark or spot left anywhere. You know what you have to do. So we could have played without him in that way. That's mm. he, he just like, it's your program do Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really that. Um, so when, when Martinez came, even if Moise was gone, you had a good 50% of us who was still the influence of okay. David Morris. Mm-hmm. So, that was the best season for me because you, you have new manager with a new mentality and new philosophy, and still the rest of, of David Moyes, and that mixed really well. The second season because, it's a different Martinez is a different manager, and you do drills as well, but it's repetitive drills t- tactically, technically. So that's Moyes effect started to fade, and then on the second season you've got more like the Martinez effect and what he wants and how he wants and and his mentality. And to do that, I know it's beautiful, and, uh, and I remember a lot of people, our manager at the time, if you say, like, uh, that's playing like Barcelona, nobody likes it because you, don't want, you want to feel like you created that, but you didn't. It's Spain and Barcelona who created that type of football. Um, and, and if to do play that type of football, you need a certain type of player. And changing the manager doesn't change the player. You still have the same type of players. Again, no disrespect for, for, for the players at Everton because we had an amazing time, but we, we are not those type of players. This is not where... I think the best manager is a manager that come, adapt to the players, and manage to get the best out of the players. Not just come and say, this is what I want to do, we do it, no matter what. If it doesn't work, or this player is not good enough, I change, I change him, I change him, because I've got the money. So I can change him, change him, and get the player that I want. But when you don't have the money, you need a manager who adapts mm. and gets the best out of the players that you've got at the time. And for me, this is how I'm a judge, a manager as well. If you go to the top clubs and, and manage only top players, and if you're not happy, you can sell one and you've got 100 million to buy another one. I'm not saying it's an easy task, but it's much comfortable than if you go to a club like Everton and you don't have that. You don't have that. So, yeah, the second season didn't go um, didn't go as well. Where did he fail? It's hard to tell. Possibly possibly that. Possibly to adapt to uh, to the player he had. Um possibly to understand that Everton is a special club with a special mentality. And, and, and yeah, at the end, it it, it just didn't work for him. Little by little, players started to uh, possibly not buy as much into his mentality than he hoped. Yes, Silva,
3: what I wanted to ask, I wanted to dial in to, you know, an individual, Romelu Lukaku.
0: This
3: is a player that's much maligned. He had success at West Brom came to Everton, scored the goals, went to Manchester United, scored goals. But there's still sections within the English media that probably disrespect him and don't appreciate his qualities. And we've now seen him go to Inter Milan where he's racking in the goals. From knowing Romelu and playing with him, how do you assess him?
1: It's very simple. Name a club he played and didn't score goals. (laughs) (laughs) Forget about about the media. Forget about the media. The media... The media just build and break players how they feel. For it, it's not, most of them, or some of them, is nothing to do with football. It could be the agent, it could be, I don't know what's coming behind and I don't know the reason. I can hear about some players that for like two, three seasons, when I watch them play, I'm like, I don't see anything special and the players are built like they are by the media, like they are the next big things. That, that's, that's media. It put the media aside and forget about the influence of the media, Romelo Lukaku scored everywhere. He's breaking every record for his age in terms of goal scoring. Yes, he's not uh, he's not as pleasing to the eyes to watch as a Ronaldo or Messi. Or what are we talking in football now? Are we talking you want a striker to score goals or a beautiful striker? Because I'm if in my team I want a <laughs> striker to score. I don't care if you look beautiful. I don't <laughs> care if uh, yeah. I don't care. You score goals. I'm I'm really happy. You make my job easy. You make my job easy. So you have, you have to be careful with modern football what, what you are looking at. It's the same as mod, uh, young food, footballers now. I'm talking about the kids at the academy. What are they practicing? Does the, the skills they see on the, on the YouTube or whatever, that, that's not football. That's not football. And, and, and for me, Romelu is one of the best strikers of his generation, if not the wow. best of his generation. I don't know anyone around his age, forget about just his age, around his age, I don't know anyone who scored more goals than him.
2: Mm.
1: And, the debate of like, is he, is he nice to look at in the eye? Is he, that's a different debate. That, okay, mm. I can, I, I'll talk about it with no problem. Is his first touch sometimes not as good as uh, Ronaldo? Yes. <laughs> yeah, people say he's baggy, yeah. <laughs>
3: There's
1: no problem with that. I've got no problem with that. Just remember that he's not 30 years old yet. He's still very mm. young. Mm-hmm. He's still very young. So, can he progress technically? Yes. Does he make him bad technically? No. Mm. To me, no. He's just not as gifted technically than some players. Possibly as well because of what you can read and hear from the media then, and possibly fans because fans get influenced by the media. Maybe sometimes he's tried to do things to show people that, yeah, I can do it. Mm. And he's maybe not playing on, in, on, his, on his strengths. But at the end of the day, he's scoring goals. And to me, is one of the best. You can put any stat, you can put any stat against most of the players around his age, he'll be on top. So I think it's a, it's a fake debate to me. I think it's no, there's no question there. <laughs> Honestly, I don't even understand any anyone questioning his quality as a striker.
0: Silvan, um, just a quick one for me before I ask you my final question. Do you feel certain sections of the media have agendas on, on specific players?
1: Yeah, clearly. I don't know if are, I don't know if it's an agenda. I don't know. I don't know the reason. But as I said, the media can make or break a career. Make mm-hmm. or, or break a player. That well mentally, you have to understand that. I'm lucky because of my education. I've always been strong mentally. So so you're always influenced by what you read and what you hear from the fans. Always a little bit, but it's never been to the point to me that I'm like, oh, Christ, I can't anymore. But I've seen some player crumble under under that, and it's not nice to see we We talk about uh um, mental health and everything. I can tell you I've seen some players in a bad state because of uh, of certain sections of the fans or because of the media or and it's not it's not nice to see you. remember that every footballer before being a footballer you're a man you're a man, you've got your pride, you've got your problem at home, you've got families you've got you've got everything and and when you reach stuff, sometimes it's deserved, but most of the time it's not. And when it's positive, yeah, it's great, all good. You take it. But when it's <laughs> negative, when it's, negative it's, it's it's hard, you know. And and sometimes you read things, especially when it happen at the time where you know the player, you play with him, and you see how the guy works and everything and what he's doing, and you get no praise, you get nothing, or so, sometimes get like a bad praise. You know, how? I played with a guy like Nicolas Anelka, who always had a bad praise to his to his career. I played with him as a, as the academy. I know him since I'm maybe 15 years old. I play with him at the academy. I play with him at City. He's a nice guy. Anyone who know him would say to you, "He's a really nice guy. He's quiet." I know he has yeah. a
3: name called. People used to call him Soc. I but, don't know yeah. why.
1: That's for no reason. That's something that's built from the media, and then everybody jump on it. Mm. If I, if you see a title of something or whatever in the media, you just you're just gonna say to your friend, "Oh, I've seen that about him. They said this," and your friend gonna repeat, and everybody repeat, and at the end. That's, that's, that's an image you've got, like it's on your back and everybody feels that and you have to fight against it or you decide like, they can say whatever they want, I just carry on with my life, I carry on with my career and I think that's a bit the image we've got of Romelu Lukaku, you know, a lot of people feel like he failed at United, he failed at United, look, look at the stat, how I many goals he scored, did he score more than other, no, maybe not, but he still scored a lot of goals mm. and if it wasn't for him, who will have scored those goals? Mm. I wanted
3: to talk about, you know, the current Everton regime yeah. You mentioned something very special That Everton is a special type of club yeah. Since she left, we obviously saw Marco Silva come in It didn't work out Then mm. what happened is Duncan Ferguson came in And he restored those Everton values yeah. Now Carlo Ancelotti's come in And he's taking it a bit forward The team t- seemed to be on an upward trajectory yeah. How would you assess Everton's future and how they're doing now?
1: I think the problem I had with Everton, um, well, no problem, it's not a problem, but my, my question is like, after I left, obviously, Everton is a special place for me in a special club, so I always keep my eye on them and look at the results and everything. And I know they want to push for that, for that top four, but they always got manager who's never been there before. And I always thought like, when Martinez came, that was the best group of players we've had. He, he never worked with a group of players like that before. And he came from from below, if I should say. I know it's it's hard. If I say that, the Wigan's gonna feel like, oh my God, <laughs> you mean was shit you were shit? Be careful what you say nowadays. But yeah. you, you know what I mean. It's and possibly the manager they've got now is the first one that's been there before and know how. If not been there once, if know how. So I think it's an to have a, a manager like him in place now. It's an amazing opportunity for the club. Financially, this seems to uh, to be to be stable and have uh, and have. Um, a little bit of power now. So uh, they've got a new stadium coming. Mm. I think if you give them a bit of time, and that's the, the big, it's a luxury in football now time. You don't have time. But if they give him time, I can see something really positive coming out of it. Um, but you need to keep a guy like, um, like Duncan, like Duncan in because he's, he's the one who know what Everton is. And he's the one who knows how to, uh, to, put that into the players. And I think it's a big, big part of Everton.
0: Sylvan, I just want to quickly ask you a question about your time at Bournemouth. And this is my final question. But it seemed, you know, towards the latter stages of your career, you were starting to play for managers with, you know, that ball-playing philosophy who want to dominate possession, who want to pass the ball out from the back. So how was it working for Eddie Howe? And what were the differences between him and Martinez?
1: Different manager, possibly same philosophy, but different manager. Um, they are the type of manager who now accept to be under pressure and accept the risk that being under pressure might be costly. Uh, you've got some manager who don't, can't deal with it and don't want to deal with it and feel like, what's, what's the reason? Why would I put myself under pressure in a very difficult um, part of the pitch as well? Like, if you lose the ball in this part of the it's it's a, it's a chance for the opposition to score. But you've got those type of manager now who just are, are comfortable with it. No matter, they rather they rather lose a game but with their mentality than adapt and uh, and and get a draw or, or win. So you just have to deal with it. I remember um, during I always analyze a little bit my game after the through the week, um, and I remember with uh, with noise you look at uh, all your defensive um, stats. Mm-hmm. And I remember with Martinez, you end up looking at how many passes you've done and uh, passes completion. And but, and after six months, I was like, what am I doing? Am I number 10? What, what, what <laughs> uh, and I completely changed. I'm like, no, that's not me. Yes, I can have a look at it, but that should not be my priority. And uh, and I went from doing, uh, I don't know, there's some games who possibly I've done, I don't know, 20 passes. Uh, with noise, uh, with but you win the game and you you won all your all your challenges and everything and you're happy and I ended up playing with the manager when I was doing like 100 passes per game I was like wow did I enjoy it? no because that's that's not my strength that's not what I like to do that's not my passion I'm, I love to defend did I do it? yes the first season I played every game uh, whatever if I had the broken ribs or whatever he asked me to play every game and and and, and I did it but did I enjoy it? No, no that's, that's not me. So the difference between the two managers, they are not the same. They just have the same principle of like, we accept to be under pressure, we accept to take risk. And is kind of more or less, we have a plan A and we don't need a plan B because no matter who we play, this is how we're going to play no matter what. Mm. And, and it's a little bit risky, but you, you have to accept it. If that's what you want to do, you have to accept that if it works, people are going to say you're a genius. But if you lose, you're going to lose a lot. So you, you have to accept
3: it. Silvan, yeah, you played with, you know, a lot of great centre-backs and your generation had so many elite centre-backs. You had Ferdinand, yeah. Terry, Sol Campbell, Ledley King, yourself. So if you were to name one, who was the best centre-back of your generation in the Premier League?
1: Uh, I would say Vidic. Vidic, when I was playing, Vidic and Ferdinand was the two that I would have loved to compare myself with, and I was like, if I can reach that level, I'll be really happy. So they, they were the two. I think they, they worked really well together. It's weird because as a centre-back, I never really pick someone, one guy. I always pick the pair because I feel oh, like okay. centre-back alone, you're not a centre-back. It works at two. You need someone next to you that completes you, and mm-hmm. uh, and that's what I had at Everton with uh, with Jags. So I was always comparing us to what I thought was the elite at the time, and for me, Vidić and Ferdinand were the elite and uh, the elites. And I have, um, yeah, I have uh, big, big respect for a guy like Vidić. I like what he was doing. Yeah.
2: Fair point. And and final question for me, Sylvan. Um, I know naturally you're a, a, a very determined, strong-minded individual, and I know I think it was back in 2014 you you, you made a joke about it, and this is in reference to your international career right
1: yeah
2: yeah <laughs> <laughs> um when you yeah when that wasn't you, a
1: joke that was a fact
2: <laughs> it was yeah okay fair, fair enough right so I, of course you, you you can laugh about it now um and whatnot but and i i think you've also come out and, and, and spoken about how you know you don't really have any sort of uh regrets over your, your career and whatnot but do you still feel somehow that you know some of the, the the performances that you're putting in um, at club level and domestically should have earned you uh, an international cap at least?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it's that. I think my feeling is at the time where I felt comfortable with my performance, it was no centre-back, like confirmed centre-back in the international team there are a lot of players coming doing two, three, four games and then out and then another one. So you had a massive turnover, massive turnovers in terms of centre-back. Nobody was really there, like this is the top one he's going to play. So because you feel like you're quite um, stable and, and and you feel like, well, my turn's going to come.
2: Mm-hmm. My
1: turn's going to come. And then you can see players who like come in, who are in France, play for their country, and then they come in England and they don't make it. they They, they fail or they don't. I'm not saying failing, but they don't, they, they, they can adapt and uh, they're not playing for their club and you play game after game and they still go for the, you know, like, hold on, I'm, I'm, one day it's going to be me, it's going to be me, mm. just keep going, I, that wasn't my goal, but I, so just keep doing your stuff and he will come, you have to come and he never came and I remember one day they um, they pick like an A and a B team, I can't remember the reason, but it, they picked two teams and I wasn't in the two teams and I wasn't neither in the, they, they put like um, like kind of reserve player, like if something happened just keep free because you'll join us. And I wasn't in that list neither. And that day for me, that was like, it's never going to happen. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I must be so far back down the list that I'm not in the A team, not in the B team and not on the get ready in case team. And that day I completely forgot about it. I, j- I just never, ever thought about it after that. Do I have an answer? No, I never spoke to anyone. I never asked anything. I never, never did anything. So I've, I've got no idea. Mm. Um, Again, during my time at Portsmouth as well, it was Lassana Jara at the time was in the national team. And I remember after every national, every game for France, he used to come to me, say, you'll be in the next one. Your name is there. They talk about you. They ask me about you. They, they want to pick you for the next one. You'll be in the next one. And then you kind of like build your hopes It. that's it. That's my moment. The next game come, you're not in the list. You're like, what's going on? And then Lassana last came to me and said, I don't get it. <laughs> and that's been like that. So I know my name been there. I know I've been borderline there, but I've I've never been. At the same time, we'll have enjoyed to just play a couple of games and then we've moved to the side for someone else like they've done at the time. And just to say, just to frame a shirt, nah, that's not me. I just won't come and play. And So mm. that's why I don't really have a regret. I would have loved to, don't get me wrong. I would have loved to, but... I, I don't have too many regrets. I've got all the, you know, when you talk about me being the non-English players with the most games, mm-hmm. that for me, have more, more value than just a, f- a shirt, f- friends of mm-hmm. national team that I played only for one game. Would I love to play the World Cup for my country? Yes, that's 100%. But just a couple of friendlies? Nah, mm-hmm. that's, just, that's just not me. That's it. Oh, wow, Silva, this, yeah. this
0: is amazing. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much. I just much. wanted to
3: ask one more question.
0: So no,
1: not. I'm not finishing with the Liverpool guy. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Silver,
1: one more question. Unless you said I love Everton, and
0: then you can ask. To... <laughs> I
3: love Liverpool. <laughs>
0: uh,
3: Silva, what I wanted to ask is: so, what does the future hold for you? We see you on Instagram, we see your training regime, you're clearly obviously keeping fit. So in the future, in the near future, what do you want to do?
1: Keep doing what I'm doing now. You know I've got the freedom uh, and it's uh, it's a luxury to be free uh, nowadays. Um, I've got a couple of projects around strength conditioning, something that I like, something that I feel like in football is not, is not really used properly or used at all. Uh, you can hear some managers who said they don't want to see any players in the gym because you don't run with a with dumbbells on the pitch, which is completely crazy. They don't understand the benefit of it. It's an amazing benefit of it. It's not just uh, for the summer looking good. It's, it's an amazing benefit of it. I'm, I'm 42 today, and I'm as strong as I've ever been. Um, mm-hmm. as, as I said it before as a joke, but I actually will love to find a way to do it. I would love to mm-hmm. do a, a 50, 100 metres with all the center back in the Premier League and see where I will fit. <laughs> yeah. Because Ooh. I know what I'm doing, and I know where I am. And I, will not, and I know I will not look ridiculous. And if that could be the proof for people to, or managers or clubs to understand that strength conditioning is something that is massive in, in, uh, in football for not just for your performance, for injuries, prevention, for injuries, mm. recovery, for longevity, for your life mm. after football, because so many players stop football and can't play football with their kids in the, in the garden because their knees are done or their ankle are done. I'm 42. I do like stupid challenges. I try triathlon. And I, I love that. I love my life after football. So i I've started a little um, School of 15 and it's a little training camp uh, before the season starts. And I, and I try to uh, to not just um, train players, but to educate them as well, hoping that when they leave the training camp, they carry on the same process through the season and see the benefit of it. But I'm, I'm in a lucky position that I do that out of passion and not out of financial needs. So I don't have to push it too much. I can choose the players I want to work with, which nowadays is difficult because players... During their break, they were go to L.A. and do a flashy mm-hmm. session that they put on, uh, on their Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in the place where you're going to work hard for a week, two sessions a day, and it's going to be no media. That's not, that's mm-hmm. not the goal. So it's, it's difficult, but uh, but there's still a few players out there that want that. And most of the time it's the players that didn't make it yet, but the players that made it. You know, I've been in a very lucky position, but when I see the players now, you see the, how much they paid, and we're seeing some without proving anything. They feel like they've got everything, so they, they lose. If you mm. give someone all their dreams, they lose the passion. And if you give the players their dream way too early nowadays, so that's, mm. that's not a problem in football.
0: And hopefully one of your former clubs give you a ring, and you know, we see you working behind the scenes very shortly. So mm. it's been a pleasure, Sylvan. Really
1: My has. pleasure, guys.
2: Thank you. Thank you very much, Sylvan. We know that uh, our listeners are absolutely going to enjoy this one. So listeners, thank you very much for for listening in or indeed watching uh, up until this point. Uh, Just a reminder, if you're not yet following us on Twitter, that you can do at podcast underscore TVG. You can also follow us on Instagram at pod underscore TVG. If you're not yet subscribed to the YouTube channel, I have no idea what on (laughs) earth you're playing at make sure you subscribe (laughs) ASAP. In fact, do it right now. (laughs) Do it right right now. Subscribe right now. We've got loads more content Ah. coming. So stay tuned, stay uh, locked and loaded because there's a lot more uh, coming. Um, A reminder that you can also listen to our um, episodes on Spotify, on SoundCloud and on Apple Podcasts. And if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please make sure you leave a five-star review because your engagement... Uh, and your reviews help us to continue to build the platform and move the platform forward until the next episode we're going to leave it there over and out